Welcome to Women Thriving Unapologetically with Lindsay McCowan. Over the next hour, you will hear raw, honest, and inspiring conversation between Lindsay and her guests, discussing how to thrive, live joyfully, and abundantly in spite of life's challenges. Now, here is your host, Lindsay McCowan. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Women Thriving Unapologetically. I am your host, Lindsay McCowan, and it's so good to be here again. You know, every at the start of every show, I always say, oh, we have another amazing guest this week. And well, this week it's me. So I'm doing a solo episode talking about the five steps to how we can thrive unapologetically. So women, there are steps we can take to thrive unapologetically. And I want to share those with you today. But first, what we always do on this show is we take a moment to stop and pause and breathe together. It doesn't matter where we are in the world when we collectively come together, whether that's in person or virtually or even on air, and take this moment to take a collective breath in through our nose and out through our nose, feel into our bodies. What we are doing is we are reclaiming our birthright to thrive. Together, we are reclaiming that birthright to thrive because in this moment, we are stopping the momentum, the chaos, the distractions, and we are coming back into our bodies, allowing the breath to tether us into this present moment and reconnect us to the wisdom that lies in our bodies simply through breathing. And when we do this together, we bring all of our energies together and we feel more deeply held by the collective. So let's take another deep breath in through the nose and out through the nose. And you're welcome to stay here and breathe like this as long as you wish and listen, or you can make your way back, opening your eyes. Ah. So I always feel so much better after doing a drop-in with breath, and it helps me settle my nerves and be more present here with you. So I hope that helped you be more present here with me so that we can dive into this topic of how do we thrive? How do we really, truly thrive? And what does that even really mean? So modern culture teaches us to look externally for happiness and to seek end goals that prove we are thriving. We need to have proof all the time that we can show for that. Oh, I have a certain amount of money in my bank account. I have a certain type of relationship or career, or I get to travel to all these different destinations. Whatever thriving externally means, we're always feeling like we have to grasp for that. However, thriving is not a fixed destination or an endpoint, but a process of transformation that leads to an inner state of being. And we can find this through you know, various steps. And I'm going to share with you the steps that resonate with me. It doesn't mean that they are the only steps. And that's part of what it means to gather together as women here in this group is that we explore a lot of different ways to do things and knowing that it's not just one way. That's a distorted belief perpetuated by 
a patriarchal system. There are many ways. So these are the ways that feel resonant to me and and, and the ways that have helped me stay connected to that inner state of thriving. But first, I want to share with you what the dictionary tells us that thriving is, because it gives us a, a benchmark to look at. And the first one is to flourish. And to flourish means to grow vigorously. And the second one is to prosper. And this is, means to gain wealth or, or possessions. Now, wealth for me doesn't just mean financial wealth. It also means the wealth of health and happiness. And then the third is the one that really is the premise, one of the premises for this show. It means to progress toward or realize a goal despite or because of your circumstances so that we're progressing, we're flourishing, we're prospering and progressing despite the circumstances in our life. And this is a key point to remembering that true thriving happens despite the circumstances in your life and more often because of them, because growth needs a catalyst. If you are complacent and stay within the confines of your comfort zone, you're not only inhibiting your growth and evolution, but you're also inhibiting the growth and evolution of your community and the world because complacency builds stagnancy. And then what does stagnancy do? Stagnancy for a body starts to deteriorate our physical health. Stagnancy of the mind starts to destabilize our mental health. And stagnancy also makes our heart ache for something more. And it also lessens our connection. It weakens our connection to our soul. And then when we have that connection to our soul start to wither, we lose the, the connection to our light. So our light simply diminishes. And so thriving is a very individual experience and can only be defined and measured by your own definition of what it, what it means to flourish, prosper, and progress. And give yourself permission that the way that you thrive is going to be different There's a famous quote, and I'm not sure who said it, but I use it often in my classes when I'm working with clients, is that comparison is the death of joy. Comparison is the death of joy. And it could also be the death of thriving, because if thriving is this internal state and we're always comparing ourselves to everyone else and thinking that they are the epitome of what thriving is, then we're never going to feel that inner state of well-being. And so it's a very individual experience. So give yourself permission to have your own definition of what it means to flourish, prosper, and progress. And regardless of how you measure it, thriving always leads to that inner state of being where you feel good about yourself and your life, regardless of the circumstances. Because you can have a lot of hardship, a lot of challenges, but if you have this inner state of thriving, then you're going to feel good about where you are moving, 
what you are moving towards and you'll understand that you have the power to move through those challenges. And so there are five areas of life that we as humans focus on for thriving. And this is what I teach in, in my program. And perhaps you might say, well, there's another area. And if you do have another area, then definitely get in touch with me and tell me, because I always love to hear from our community because we're ever growing and evolving together. So the five areas that I see most people focusing on are relationships, health, finances, career. And I bundle the last one, the fifth one, spirituality and purpose together, because when we have a deep spiritual connection, we have a connection to our purpose. And so just take a moment, like reflect on these five areas and how do you feel like you're thriving in each one of those? If 10 was like full out thriving, which one of these areas, like how would you rate your thriving level in each of these? Now, and it's important that we be honest with ourselves because think about uh, a GPS. Now, a GPS needs an end destination, but it also needs a starting destination in order to guide you step by step. So we have to have a marker. So hence, in your inner GPS needs a marker for not only where you want to be, but where are you now? And so it's a fair assumption that we want to be at the highest level of thriving, whatever that means for us. But we need to know where we are right in this moment so that we can start to sort out the steps that to take in order to get to a higher state of thriving. And so what we want to do is now to delve in, like, what are the steps? Now that I, I say, for example, I'm at a five for thriving in my relationships, well, then how do I get to that 10? And these are just arbitrary numbers. It just, you know, it's the best way I can do on the radio to show, give you an understanding, like how you feel into this for yourself. And so the steps I want to share with you today, some of them come from the yoga tradition, some of them come from other traditions. But the first one is contentment. Now, contentment is a state of being. It's a state of being satisfied. And in yoga, we call it santosha, which is a beautiful word. Isn't that santosha? Like, who doesn't want santosha? It can, and this contentment can both be an emotional state of satisfaction as well as a mental state. But it's also a spiritual state. All of these states emotional, mental, and spiritual, create a sense of peace. And let's just take a moment to distinguish the difference between happiness and contentment, because it's, a, it's an important distinguishment we want to make. Happiness refers to a state of being happy or feeling pleasure. It relies upon circumstances, and because circumstances always change, they always change. It's temporary. Happiness is circumstantial. And our, our culture actually equates more stuff to more pleasure. The problem is we can't depend on a world that is always changing to provide us with consistent, reliable conditions to make us happy. Nature is dynamic and always in flux. And if we look to nature, she really guides us. Like we are meant to be in flow and flux. And Thriving, recall, is a state 
of being that happens despite the circumstances. So we can be in this dynamic flux and still have a state of contentedness, a state of thriving. And also, if you look to nature, nature needs a catalyst oftentimes for growth to happen, to be able to flourish. And we are the same because we are not apart from nature. We are part of the cycle of nature. And in the yoga context, you know, santosha, which is contentment in Sanskrit, refers to detaching from our desires and cultivating an inner peace and joy that is not dependent on what is happening in our lives. We can have desires. Yes, we all have desires. That's part of being human. But the key is not to be attached to them. It's in the attachment that we suffer. Now, there's a great sage called Patanjali who wrote the Yoga Sutras. And in this, he talks about how attachment is often referred to as the basis of our unhappiness and discontent in life. So contentment refers to a state of being in which we are satisfied in all areas of our life, regardless of circumstances. While happiness denotes an emotional state, which is more short-term, contentment refers to a state of being, which is long-term. And it's long-term because it is actually a part of your innate self, which is great news because you don't have to wait for your happiness and your external life in order to access contentment now. You have the ability to access contentment at any point in your life because it's already part of who you are. You don't have to wait for it to happen. By virtue of who you are, a part of you is already content and is always content, no matter what. And so you don't need anyone or anything to be content. Contentment is the language of the heart. So you simply need to find your way back home to it. And oftentimes when I teach women, it's really about how do we get back to the abode of our heart where contentment resides. And it doesn't mean we don't want more for our lives because complacency is not contentment. Stagnancy is not contentment. Thriving is to prosper, flourish, and move towards one's goals. And contentment is a key element and achieving this. And the reason we don't feel it often is that the mind is so busy trying to shape and control our happiness. And now how many of you try to control your happiness? Mm -hmm. I'm imagining everyone's hand is raising right now. So we try to control how our bodies look, what we eat, what others see and may think of us. We try to control situations, events, relationships, and even our thoughts and feelings. This attempt to control circumstances gives a false sense of safety and security in an unpredictable and ever-changing world. Now, we can't control our outer circumstances. We know this. No matter how hard we try, we cannot control them because life is meant to change, and sometimes rapidly. The contentment we yearn for is not outside of us, but within. So how do we make our way back to this abode of contentment? Well, there's great practices that we do together. If you choose to work with me or in one of my groups, we do practices that steady the mind, such as meditation, yoga nidra, prayer, contemplation. It's all about becoming quiet enough to perceive the subtlety of this inner world of joy, purpose, meaning, inspiration, guidance, and of course, contentment. 
So the second step is awareness. I talk about this a lot. Awareness is so key. It's the knowledge or perception of a situation, a fact, your environment. It's what all your five senses are taking in at once. And awareness keeps us focused on the present moment. We're not worried about the past, what we did in the past, and we're not fretting over the future. Awareness wakes us up. You become more aware of who you are by virtue of understanding what your beliefs are, your habits, and your patterns. And the more that you know about who you are and how you relate to yourself, others, and the world, the more freedom and capacity you will have to move through the world. Okay, so if you have a pen and paper, I want you to write this down because as you write, you invite new neural pathways to strengthen, and I want you to remember this. As I think, so I feel. As I feel, so I do. As I do, so I have. So as I think, so I feel. As I feel, so I do. As I do, so I have. So every thought you have elicits a feeling or emotion Now, these feelings and emotions precede and dictate our actions. So what we do or don't do is determined by how we feel. And what we do or don't do determines what we have or don't have. So awareness gives you a very special power, the power of choice. So present moment awareness is your point of power. In any given moment, when you are aware of how you are feeling, you can have the choice to either continue to feel the way you are feeling or choose another path. In any given moment, when you are aware of how you are thinking, you have the choice to either continue to think the way you are thinking or choose another path. In any given moment, when you are aware of what you are doing, you have the choice to either continue to do what you are doing or to choose another path. So all actions, whatever you are doing, will either be constructive or non-constructive, nourishing or depleting of your energy. It will be healthy or unhealthy for your body, mind, heart, or connection to spirit. When you practice self-awareness, you'll begin to notice your thoughts, feelings, or actions, and you'll notice whether they are in alignment or not in alignment with who you want to be, who you are. They are either authentic or inauthentic to your core innate self. So awareness gives you the ability, for example, to alter the way you breathe, to experience more fullness and capacity in your body and bring your mind into a state of calm clarity. It gives you the ability to understand your expectations about yourself, others, and the world around you. It gives you the ability to change your beliefs, patterns, and habits that keep you suffering and perpetuating the same stories and creating the same reality. It gives you the ability to choose relationships where you are supported, held, and valued. And it also gives you the ability to follow a unique pace in life that allows you to truly honor and nurture yourself and your vision without constant overwhelm, anxiety, and self-sacrifice. So awareness is intimately linked to that part of yourself that is unchanging and can see with a broader lens. That part of you that is content, steady, and always at rest and at peace. So, We are up to our first break. We've gone through the first two steps of how we can thrive unapologetically. And I want to share with you that the sponsors of this show, they're amazing women. There's six women that are gathering together in Rangeley, Maine from May 4th to the 8th in the wild, inviting 
mountain forests of Rangeley, Maine. And they are just incredible women. And all uh, five out of the six of the women have been on Women Thriving Unapologetically. And they're hosting this incredible retreat. And I get to be there as well. So I'm super excited. So definitely go to herfestival.com. That's H-E-R-festival.com. Check it out. And if it inspires you, if it feels aligned with your heart, then definitely join us because it's going to be an incredible event where you're going to be truly nourished and fed by nature, by these practices, and by a community of women rising and thriving together. So we'll be right back after this short break. Follow Voice America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. Women, are you tired of chasing after your dreams? Exhausted and overwhelmed from trying so hard to have the perfect life? Do you yearn for more ease, freedom, and time to explore what is near and dear to your heart, yet have no idea how to stop pushing forward? Join your host, Lindsay McCowan, and others like you on a journey to awaken the divine feminine. When you awaken the divine feminine, you awaken parts of yourself that have been ignored, lay dormant, put on the back burners, or forgotten. When you fully ignite these aspects of yourself, you awaken your ability to thrive in all areas of your life, including relationships, finances, health, career, and purpose. You stop chasing after life and step into an easeful magnetic flow. You become the magnet that effortlessly attracts joy, love, space to play, abundance, and magic that illuminates your life. Does that sound like the future you? Go to lindsay.tv slash goddess to sign up today. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are listening to Women Thriving Unapologetically with Lindsay McCowan. Have a question for Lindsay or her guests? Want to share your story? Email Lindsay at thrivingunapologetically at gmail.com. That's thrivingunapologetically at gmail.com. Now back to the show. Here again is Lindsay. Welcome back to Women Thriving Unapologetically. You're listening to a solo episode with me, and we're talking about how women can thrive unapologetically. And I really love this topic because there's many, many different ways that we can thrive. But for me, it's really about creating this inner state of being that thriving is not in in destination, but it's a way of being that allows us to flourish, prosper, and move towards our goals, despite the circumstances, challenges, or hardships we might be facing. And so on our first segment of the show, we talked about how thriving to get there and to feel that inner state, we have to come to this place within us that is content. So contentment is a big part of the ability to thrive and being able to be aware of our thoughts and our patterns. And with that awareness, we have power of choice to choose differently in that given moment, whether we're going to continue to follow that pattern, belief, or habit, or we're going to choose a new trajectory. And so let's go ahead and dive right into the third step. And this one is really, I love this step, and it's so close to my heart. It's spiritual connection. And when you can cultivate a connection to your understanding of spirit, you have a tether to hold you steady when life gets challenging. And 
we had all those five, those five areas of life that we focus on, you know, the finances, the health, the career, and the relationships. But those do not have as much fulfillment without the connection to spirit. And I believe it's my opinion that there are so many of us yearning for that connection. And that's the missing link that will bring all the other areas back online. So it tethers you not only to your innate soul and your soul's wisdom that exists within you, but also to universal understanding. So a strong spiritual connection builds faith and trust that you are held, supported, and guided at all times. Can you imagine what that would feel like to feel that sense of trust that no matter how hard it is right now, I'm supported and I'm being guided. And it also strengthens self-trust. We trust ourselves, women, to really know without a doubt that you're on that we are on path, that I trust my inner guidance. I trust my ability to make the right decisions for me. Be confident that you have all you need in life and that you are thriving, that you are doing enough. And so I will add to this that we need a greater understanding of our sacred feminine. We have been living in a hyper-masculine culture for millennia to the detriment of our individual health, the health of our communities, and the environment. Now, every human being on this planet has both divine feminine and masculine energies within them, regardless of gender or gender identity. Ancient Chinese philosophy uses the yin-yang symbol to represent these two opposing forces and shows them to be interconnected counterbalancing, complementing, and in harmony. So growing up in a hyper-masculine culture, it has become normal and expected to deny our feminine spirit as we try to fit in, integrate, and follow a patriarchal system that does not fully understand, honor, or value the importance of the feminine. Now, if we neglect and nourish any part of ourselves, we disrupt the harmony of our bodies, minds, hearts, and spirits. By neglecting our innate feminine powers and predominantly following a masculine approach, our feminine capacities quickly get drained and can go dormant, while the other half, the masculine, becomes inflamed and can turn toxic. So divine feminine isn't better than divine masculine. It's just when we focus on one, hyper-focus on one, it becomes distorted, inflamed, and can turn toxic. This doesn't just disempower us. It affects our body, mind, and heart and diminishes our ability to connect to nature, spirit, and our inner guidance. So if we want that spiritual connection, we have to look at those parts of ourselves that have been undernourished. And for most of us, regardless of gender or gender identity, that is the divine feminine aspects. And when we bring those back online, what happens is we're bringing back online parts of ourselves that can actually access higher levels of consciousness. And from that, we can find solutions to complex problems. We can really pull from a greater well of understanding because we've brought all of ourselves back online. And so this is what I offer in my Awaken the Divine Feminine program. We come in and we look at 
those parts of ourselves that have been undernourished or neglected. And we do the particular practices to awaken those aspects of consciousness so that we're not just moving from half of ourselves, that we're actually bringing ourselves back into a more harmonious way of being and doing and thinking. And so that's of interest to you. I'm def- I'm going to offer everyone that's listening a complimentary one-on-one call with me so that we can talk about how this program might be a good fit for you. There's never any over, you know, I, I'm not into those, all those hyper-masculine sales tactics. It's like, we just have a conversation. I share with you how I work. I share with you the program. If it's in alignment with you, if your heart is resonating with you, with the program, then guess what? It's a fit and we'll find a way to make it work. If it's not, then we honor that. We honor each other and our, in, and our intuition and our own guidance. That's part of awakening the divine feminine and trusting our spiritual connection. Okay, so let's move on to the fourth step. Well, we're breezing through this. Okay, here we are. Compassion. You know, when I was sitting back and I had a teacher a while back share his uh, perspective on what thriving was, and he was leaning into the yoga uh, lineage some. And I was sitting with that as I was creating this show, and I realized that they just didn't resonate with me the way that they used to. And it's because there was a neglect to honor the feminine, to bring in the spiritual connection of the feminine specifically. And also there was an oversight of how important compassion is. And this is another strong feminine trait. So it's not that my teacher is a bad person, but he was definitely looking through a masculine lens of these teachings And when we look through the lens, we start to awaken those divine feminine aspects. We start to awaken, again, greater consciousness and awareness. And it's like, wait a second. We need the divine feminine. And we need compassion. We absolutely need compassion. Enlightenment is not meant to be a distant spiritual goal, but something that we can choose to live at any time moment to moment, by choosing love, kindness, compassion, and wisdom over fear, judgment, anger, or separation. When we connect to the divine feminine, we connect to self-compassion and are able to nourish ourselves and receive nourishment so that we are able to blossom into the fullness of our being. And Unfortunately, women are conditioned to judge themselves harshly, feel the constant need to improve themselves, see themselves as never good enough, compete with other women, and measure themselves against a destructive masculine model of beauty and success. Now, to heal from this conditioning, we must practice self-compassion and to also practice it with other women. When you turn the focus inward and practice the qualities of compassion, kindness, and tenderness towards yourself, you're able to unravel the knots of harmful beliefs and habits and heal deep generational wounds. 
Self-compassion heals the wounds that are inflicted upon our bodies through self-criticism, self-harming, self-hatred, self-loathing, and self-judgment. Now, self-compassion and kindness is considered to be the jewel, which is at the center, at the heart of divine feminine awakening. So if we want that spiritual connection, we know we need to awaken the divine feminine. And the way to awaken the divine feminine is through the practice. There's many practices, but the one that's at the heart of all of them is self-compassion, self-kindness. And I know that's not easy for most of us because we have been conditioned to judge ourselves critically because the world judges us critically all the time through a, a masculine lens. But we have the power to co-create a beautiful life through which our souls, our souls light can radiate and uplift others, reminding them that the way of love is more powerful than the way of fear. Because if we're looking through this masculine lens that tells us that we need to be a certain size or weight, or we have to look a particular way or be of a certain age, then we're looking through the lens of fear all the time because we're fearing that we're not meeting that standard, whether that standard is of beauty or the standard of success. And so we shift that and we, when we give ourselves this and bathe ourselves in self-compassion and self-kindness, we start to heal those wounds so that we can start to see differently. We start to see through the lens of love and not fear. And we have that choice. We have that awareness to make a choice. Am I going to continue to feed these beliefs that are harming me? Or am I going to feed the part of me that is always content, filled with peace? I can see a broader perspective. Do I want to feed the part of me that is love, courage, and wisdom, incredibly intuitive and wise? Or do I want to feed the part of me that always feels like I'm not doing enough, that I'll never be enough, that I have to change myself in some way to be of value and of worth? And so I'll just reiterate that, you know, my program, the Awaken the Divine Feminine, supports women in doing this. And what I'll add is that we use goddess archetypes as a framework to do this. So these goddess archetypes represent aspects of higher consciousness to discover what innate energies are undernourished within us. And so whatever is undernourished obviously needs attention. And we do those practices where we awaken our divine feminine gifts. We learn to trust them, really trust them. It's not just about awakening them and bringing those aspects back online, but learning to trust them. Because when we trust them, we also build courage and confidence. And with that, we're able to step in to greater roles and be the leaders that we need, so need, not just, not just in the world. We don't even have to think that big and that broad because I, just within myself, I can be more confident, have more courage to step into my life more the way that I deserve. 
And so one of the practices, let me offer you a practice that we do. And one of the practices that we do is we bring in mantra. Now, mantra is like a spirit language. And the mantras that I use are in Sanskrit, which is a, is a beautiful language. And these mantras actually hold the energies of those aspects of consciousness that we are working with. So when we speak the mantra, what we're doing is we're awakening those higher aspects of consciousness that the mantra represents, that holds within it. It said that the mantra itself is higher consciousness or that one particular aspect. And so the sound has an immediate effect on your energy field. And it has it, it's so much more potent than just everyday words because the mantra itself holds within it, say, for example, the courage or the discipline or the compassion. It is that. It's the sound of compassion, for example. So when speaking mantra, you make a connection beyond time and space to the love and devotion of every human being who has ever chanted that mantra. It's pretty freaking powerful. And so one of the goddesses that we work with specifically for compassion is the goddess Kuan Yin. And she is the goddess of compassion. And her mantra is probably one of the most used mantras in the world. Now that's a huge reservoir of group energy and power that you can draw upon simply by chanting this mantra. The mantra is Om Mani Padme Hum. Om Mani Padme Hum. Om Mani Padme Hum. It is an incredibly powerful, heart-opening prayer that raises your level of consciousness to the power of peace, compassion, and kindness. It awakens your capacity to love, nurture, and be tender with yourself. So it is your divine spark expressing itself through your soul. So Om Mane Padme Hum means, it translates to, the opening of the jewel in the lotus, or this is the one, the translation that resonates the most with me, may the heart awaken with divine compassion and may I know myself to be an enlightened, awakened being of light. Like may my heart awaken with divine compassion, not just for other people in the world, but may it awaken with divine compassion for myself so I can know myself, truly know myself as an awakened being of light, not lack, not scarcity, but light. And so chant this mantra whenever you start to hear the harshness of your inner critic and let the divine feminine aspect of compassion come forward and be present with you as you. Okay, my friends, we are up to our second break of the show. So if any of this resonates with you, then go to my website, lindsaymccowan.com. Find the clarity call. It's a one-on-one call and it's completely free, complimentary, and we'll have a conversation on how we can bring these practices into your life to help awaken you 
to the power that is just waiting to come back online. So we'll be right back after this short break. Voice America is on LinkedIn. Connect with us today. Women, are you tired of chasing after your dreams? Exhausted and overwhelmed from trying so hard to have the perfect life? Do you yearn for more ease, freedom, and time to explore what is near and dear to your heart, yet have no idea how to stop pushing forward? Join your host, Lindsay McCowan, and others like you on a journey to awaken the divine feminine. When you awaken the divine feminine, you awaken parts of yourself that have been ignored, lay dormant, put on the back burners, or forgotten. When you fully ignite these aspects of yourself, you awaken your ability to thrive in all areas of your life, including relationships, finances, health, career, and purpose. You stop chasing after life and step into an easeful, magnetic flow. You become the magnet that effortlessly attracts joy, love, space to play, abundance, and magic that illuminates your life. Does that sound like the future you? Go to lindsay.tv goddess to sign up today. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are listening to Women Thriving Unapologetically with Lindsay McCowan. Have a question for Lindsay or her guests? Want to share your story? Email Lindsay at thrivingunapologetically at gmail.com. That's thrivingunapologetically at gmail.com. Now back to the show. Here again is Lindsay. Welcome back to Women Thriving Unapologetically. I'm your host, Lindsay McCowan, and we are talking today about how we can thrive unapologetically. And this, of course, is my opinion and what has worked for me. And it doesn't mean it's the only way, but it has worked for me. And I I always want to share as many tools as I can with you so that you can experience the beauty of your innate being. And so before we went to break, we've covered step one, which is contentment. And then step two, which is awareness. And the third step was the ability to bring forward the divine feminine capacities so that we can have the stronger spiritual connection. And then lastly, we talked about compassion, specifically self-compassion as being at the heart of awakening the divine feminine, which is at the heart of strengthening our spiritual connection, which is at the heart of creating a greater sense of awareness, which is at the heart of becoming more content. So you can see how all of these weave together to help us feel that state of thriving which is not an endpoint or a destination. It is a way of being and living despite what's going on in our lives. And so the fifth step is community. You might be wondering, like, why is community so important to thriving? Now, think about the community in which you grew up in. Now, as children, we learn from and are shaped by our communities the environment we are raised. And as adults, we continue to be influenced by the people, situations, and environments we choose 
to surround ourselves with or immerse, immerse ourselves within. We didn't have choice as a young child, but we have choice as adults who we surround ourselves with and the environments that we immerse ourselves within. And our beliefs are shaped and reinforced predominantly through repetition. We also, beliefs are also created through significant emotional events, but the majority of the time it comes through repetition, repetition, repetition. So what is on repeat over and over and over and over again in our lives, in our minds, and ultimately the mind becomes whatever it experiences repeatedly. It becomes what it is around. So, who surrounds you? What do you hear them saying over and over again? What do you hear yourself repeating over and over again? What is your environment like? Is it healthy for you and what you desire to fulfill in your life? In those five areas, is it supportive of the relationships you want to have? Is it supportive of the career you want to have? Is it supportive of the level of finances that you want to create? Is it supportive of the spiritual connection, the purpose that you want to bring forward? So it's very important that we take a look at what our environments are like. Because if we want greater change, we have to look at the environment in which we are immersed in the people we spend the most time with or watch. Who are we following on social media or what are we watching on TV? Is it supportive or is it not? So are we surrounding ourselves with people who bring out the best in us or reflect what we want to fulfill and become? Is our environment reflective of self, that self with a capital S, And the capital S self is the part of us that values curiosity, clarity, courage, compassion, calmness, creativity, connection, centeredness, and it values community over the individual. Community is absolutely an essential peace for women, especially women, to restore the soul seeds of their intuitive wisdom, to learn to trust themselves and other women again, because we have been bred into us this fear of other women that we have to compete against other women. And when we come into community, we remember that we are not alone. We're not crazy. We're not too little. We're not too much. And we learn to be deeply nourished by each other because sometimes receiving can be very difficult for us because we, we overgive all the time. But when we come into community, we learn to receive. We learn to be held and supported while we are also providing support for other women. So it's, we're being fed and nourished while we give at the same time. So giving doesn't become so taxing and so depleting. It actually feels good to give because we're receiving equally. And so when women gather in community, they awaken parts of themselves that have been denied by a culture that values toxic individualism over community, that values 
separation over collaboration and breeds fear and mistrust of women's capabilities. So community reminds us of our power and our beauty, no matter our shape, our size, our weight, or an age. So community will hold your vision. The right community will hold your vision, will nurture you, and lead you back to your creativity, inspiration, and motivation when you wander. They remind you of who you are. And they will help you. These women, especially when you're in a women, a solely a women community, a women's community, it is a, a totally different experience where you will be reminded of who you are and help be held in a way that helps you reconnect to your spirit. And they will remind you of your purpose, that you are valuable, needed, and necessary. So community is essential for me. This is why we have this radio show, Women Thriving Unapologetically. This is why I have my Facebook group, Women Thriving Unapologetically. And this is why I have the Awaken the Divine Feminine program for women only to really be nourished and come in. And so many women, when they come in, they, they, one of the first things they tell me is like, wow, I never realized how powerful women are. Like when we gather together, there is something that really happens in that space that is sacred. And, and that's because you're in a container where you can be held, be supported, feel safe to unravel those knots, to release all of the fears and bring back online, those things that you've been missing, like a part of you that has been missing. And many women don't even realize that it's been missing until it starts to come alive again. And it's a beautiful thing to witness and be a part of. And so we all learn together and no one, the thing about a woman's community is no one person sits up on a stage, is the the center of the attention. Everyone sits together and our shares together, and are held together. And so that's an important aspect of a woman's community. So I really encourage every woman listening to the show to find their community, whether it's with me or with another community, but a place where you can feel held and nurtured and start to restore some of those soul seeds. Now, that was five steps. And I originally said that there were going to be five steps to thriving. And we all know there's other steps, right? So I'm going to give you a bonus. Now, this bonus step is really, really super important. And it's super easy as well. And it's also something that we rarely do. And are you waiting for it? There's a little bit of a pause. I'm trying to build up a little bit of a excitement around it, right? Okay, so the bonus step, celebrate celebrate. So why celebrate? What, why is celebration an important step to thriving? Now, as I mentioned, we as women are conditioned to critique and criticize ourselves harshly over and over and over again. Even when we are doing all the things, we still do not feel we are doing enough. I feel this all the time and I'm always catching myself that because our culture loves to mark off the things to do, like our to-do list, like, okay, I feel it's so satisfying. 
I mean, I have a whiteboard that I have all the things on for my business on it, and I love to erase them. It just feels so satisfying to get them done. But the list never gets done fully. And so we never feel like we're good enough. We're never getting the things done. And our culture also really pushes towards the next thing without pause. As soon as you accomplish one thing, you're moving on to the next without pause, reflection, or true celebration. And even if you do celebrate, it's so short-lived. You're like, okay, what's the next thing? Let's, gra- let's go grasp for the next thing. And women especially have been taught that what we do will never measure up. So we have to work harder, be smarter, and do more to prove our worth and value. Just flip and exhausting. It leads us to feeling depleted, empty, alone, and undernourished. So this wrecks havoc on our minds and nervous system. And but the really cool thing is that when you celebrate even the smallest accomplishment and feel good about it, you send a positive reinforcement to your nervous system. You're creating a stronger neuro association to, that, to what you just did. And what will happen is the brain will start to create stronger and stronger and stronger neuropathways. And with repetition, because remember, that's one way that we learn and create a new belief. So with that repetition, the pathway will strengthen until it becomes a belief, a habit, or pattern, a new belief, a new belief, a new, did I say habit already? It's habit, belief, pattern. (laughs) I had just a little bit of a pause right there. So it happens to be that a habit that we celebrate, like when we, when it becomes a habit to celebrate about what you are feeling, thinking, or doing in your life, you become stronger. You become more enlivened by your life instead of beating yourself up over the things that you didn't do. And I don't mean to wait for something big to celebrate. If you have 10 things on your list and you get two done, you celebrate that. It doesn't matter. What matters is that you are actually celebrating every little thing. And with that every little celebration, what happens is you strengthen those neuropathways. You send this chemical bath that bathes the brain with dopamine. And your brain wants more of that and more of that and more of that. So I just want to recap this. That true thriving isn't an end goal, but it is a state of being where you are able to be in a state of contentedness and peace while navigating through the obstacles of life. Thriving is a state of constant growth and transformation that is enhanced through your capacity to remain aware and compassionate, 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 (laughs) to choosing empowering thoughts, feelings, and actions over those that do harm to yourself, others in the world. So true Real thriving occurs from finding your own pace, your own rhythm, and by staying in rhythm with the divine and celebrating, not criticizing your body, your mind, your emotions, your passions, or your contributions. Thriving occurs when you bring all of you online and alive so that you flourish, prosper, and move towards your goals, fulfill your purpose despite your circumstances. So my friends, I hope you enjoyed this episode of Women Thriving Unapologetically. I love to build community, so please reach out. Pick me up on that complimentary clarity call. Go to lindsaymccowan.com, click on the link, 
book a call. We'll have a conversation. It'll be amazing one-on-one time together. And I look forward to connecting to you. So until then, much love and many blessings. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Women Thriving Unapologetically. We hope we've inspired you to claim your birthright to thrive. Tune in next week where we will continue to give you the tools you need to flourish, prosper, and thrive. Until then, have a beautiful week.